After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Here we are, Mind Rollers at MindPod Network. We're Dave and Raghu, and we're part of MindPod Network now, Dave. Yeah, it's nice to be part of something. Yeah, and we're in good company, which is really great. Well, yeah. Uh, it's it, Actually, another name for it could be the Low Hanging Fruit Club, right? Because that's what we got accused of early in the day when we started doing these podcasts. If you just get people you you've been involved with for years and decades and you know that's low-hanging fruit so it happens that our low-hanging fruit we'll put up against anybody right yeah yeah and it's ramdas and it's mind rolling and it's uh sharon salzberg and krishna das and jack cornfield um and uh i don't think it gets any better and so folks go in and Get on your computer. See, the thing about this is you can um, subscribe to any of these episodes, right? Or you can go to the site, mindpodnetwork.com, and there is such a wealth of riches, honestly, without jiving too much anymore. I mean, Dave, I've gone to the site, and, you know, because this is all brand new, folks. That's why we're making a big deal. We announced it in the last couple of podcasts, maybe, but now we're making a big deal because tomorrow um, we are going to be doing a live interactive podcast, the first for mindpodnetwork.com. So there's just really, really easily navigatable to wonderful uh, articles and videos and uh, blogs of all sorts from all of these people. Uh, that's really going to be something uh, of value uh, and surreal offering, and I'm really proud to be part of it. Yeah, it's great. And Raga, we we determined to tell people, you know, check out the website. I mean, I know that not all of you need to do that, and particularly if you're using mobile and going to SoundCloud. But the website itself now is much richer because of the inclusion of these great minds and teachers and friends. But wait, wait, no, the mobile application is good of too. mindpodnetwork.com is beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah, great. No, you can go on, yes, please go on your, most yeah. people are going on their smartphone devices at this point. Yeah, so. but it's very rich, as Roger said, and I've myself gone on it and listened to talks and, you know, uh, loved them just as much as you will, I hope. Yeah. So uh, be conscious of our new network, we're trying to be conscious within it. And mind rolling itself is within there. We're we're going on our sweet road, but um, it's great to think of the company we're in. So, so that's Dave, it. what I yeah. like, I I it would be great. Everybody out there who's listening, 
right now is to get you to help us out a little bit because we're going to start doing some really interesting things and, and we're going to make stuff available. And to let you know about it, we need your email address. So come on to mindpodnetwork.com and subscribe to the email list. And, uh, you know, and at the same time, anybody who really likes this, another thing we found would help uh, just getting our profile up there is to go to iTunes and do a five-star review. That would help. So, but more than anything, it's come, please comment and please subscribe. So we really want to, we have a community created and with these other uh, incredible teachers that we have doing podcasts and pulling from their talks and so on and so forth. Uh, there's just a wealth of uh, great, great information. And uh, and you can also, I want to say one other thing is that you can also, there's something we'd like is for you to tell us what it is that, uh, you know, perhaps we're struggling with. And I mean it, we, because we are all struggling every day and, you know, trying to get that life in balance. So, uh, let us know what whatever it is, because uh, we're going to start to, uh, as I said, start to pull things together that would provide uh, information in a very succinct way from many different people uh, that could help us all on a day-to-day basis. So I wanted to mention that and uh, to everybody. And um, onward to Dave, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon is a part of this. It helps us if you subscribe. If you buy things on Amazon, and many people do, you can go through our portal and uh, choose which, you know, MindPod network, which teacher you're listening to. You can do it for all of them individually or collectively. And speaking for mind rolling, it really does help us. We, we do receive funds from Amazon based on your purchases. And not to get too boring about it, but the fact is it doesn't cost you any more than the purchase. I mean, it's the same price. And we get a small percentage, and it adds up. And it means that we can continue to um, broadcast this uh, for free. Because uh, not everyone who wants to listen to this stuff is moneyed and uh, can afford to uh, pay for sites that they really want to you know, be involved with and interact with and listen to and criticize. It's nice if you know you can do it. That means that uh, some kind of subsidy is necessary. And the Amazon affiliate system it works very well for us. So it works for everybody. It's all it's how yes. podcasters exist is through donations and affiliate, because they don't get a big enough audience to get sponsors. Now, one of the things we're doing and why this is, you know, we do need some funds uh, uh, to support this network because it involves a bunch of different people. So there's a lot more work people have to be engaged for us to continue. But I, w- I want to tell you something. My sister. She's listened to the podcast and hearing us do this Amazon pitch at the beginning. She goes, there's one thing I got to tell you. This is a boring bullshit that you get on every every <laughs> single podcast and you banter on about Amazon. We know what's up. So my sister. Dave well, you're such an extraordinarily sharp and sensitive person if you're listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. some people are a little more sleepy, you know, and we have to do this because we've been told by people who really know about this stuff that if you don't banter on about it, people don't do it. It's just life is too complex and flashes by but, you. So we're, we're saying, you know, we don't want to be too boring. But, yeah. you know, and by the way, I, um, I bought a book at Amazon um, last week. And uh, it, was, it was not an Amazon, uh, you know, didn't come from there 
center. It came from a small bookstore in, I believe, Oregon. And it was very inexpensive. And it said in the description, like new. And I got it, and it was absolutely new. Hmm. And it was a third of the price of other, you know, and it's a small bookseller. So, you know, we're not, it, it's not just a complete destruction of the small bookshops. Some of them are doing very, very well via Amazon because people like me, uh, cheapskates, will look and see, okay, I can get it for $5 rather than $30 from this bookseller from across the country. And it came and it was as is. And I wrote to them and said, you know, I would definitely review them because a lot of the people who are affiliated with Amazon booksellers, particularly, are doing quite well mm. based on people like me buying from them rather than from the main Amazon source. So what's the book already? Where's the book? What is the book? The book is, um, uh, uh, I've forgotten the title, but it's by Reggie Ray, and it's it's a book about uh-huh. oh, that book. The, Vajra, the Vajra Buddhist way, uh-huh. and a, a sort of a, 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 an encyclopedic book about what is the Vajrayana path within mm. Buddhism and uh it's it's brilliant. I, I just started it, but it's just a fantastic book, actually. I have a book. Oh, great. And you see, what my sister said to do was, okay, you you go on about Amazon, but why don't you do something that's that's really going to serve people, like recommend something that they'd like, you know? So I said, We okay. do that. And I said, we just started doing that. What's the <laughs> big deal? I have a book, The Microbiome Diet. Okay. Ah. It's another one. It's, you know, diet books. But, uh, you know, there's four million of these things. These things are very successful, Dave. We should do a mind-rolling diet book. Really, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, um, but, you see, my my beautiful wife, Dr. Robin Saraswati Marcus, she got a hold of this book and she made me read it because she said that this had was a cut above all this other stuff. And it really relates, the book relates to uh, inflammatory stuff and, uh, and gut health. You know, it's, it basically is a formula to restore your gut health. I'm going to read something because this is, um, uh, God, did I lose this place? Okay, I found it, I found it, found it. Um, just uh, So this is a, it's a pretty direct book, and as Dave said, it's about inflammation and gut health and all that. I mean, this is crazy to talk about on Mind Rolling. We've never, t- but listen to this. It fits exactly with what Dave and I talk about all the time. I want to remind you that food is far more than a collection of chemicals and nutrients. Every bite involves you in a relationship with the vegetables, fruits, and animals you consume and with the food, air, water, and soil that nourish them. In order to digest and metabolize your food, hundreds of intricate processes must come together within your body. Hormones, enzymes, muscles, acids, along with the collective acts of trillions of tiny creatures that are not even human and yet are working together for your benefit. True nourishment comes from this set of dynamic interactions along with the dynamic interactions among farmers, animals, plants, soil, water, air, highways, truckers, grocers, clerks, refrigerator companies, power stations, and so on. As the microbiome demonstrates, we are never just ourselves, quote-unquote. We are always more than ourselves. Trillions of creatures more. 
becoming aware of these dynamic interactions and approaching them in the spirit of love, gratitude, and appreciation can have a dynamic impact on your met metabolism and health. So while you are re-inoculating yourself with prebiotics and probiotics, which is, this is the stuff I'm getting into, Dave, that's amazing uh, f uh, formulas, remember also to re-inoculate yourself with these powerful connections. Mm. Not bad, huh? I yeah. mean, it's all about, it, we are all totally connected at every level with everyone and everything. Is, you know the microbiome m i c r o b i o m e microbiome diet raphael kelman m d so those of you uh that don't give a shit about inflammation or gut health right now just ignore this message okay otherwise find somebody who needs this like older people need this shit so do go and uh and while you're at it I found that uh, one thing that would really help us is go through your families and friends, even if they don't listen to podcasts. I had my friend went through his whole family and put our uh, Amazon uh, affiliate link and book, put it on their bookmark, okay? And these people order, t Aunt Mabel, you know, Cousin Ernie. I mean, they order tons of stuff from Amazon and they don't care and they don't have to listen. You know, it doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, let's let's have an ambassador program where we get people out there, and you know, we should give prizes for this, Dave. Can we do that? Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. We better get down to it, or people let's probably turn us off. Let's think about how to construct that. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll we'll get Noah to think about that stuff. <laughs> well, as usual, Roger's found a couple of really brilliant articles. I thought, and I just um, you know, kind of, I'm just a receptacle for this. And uh, I read them, and he's now going to introduce them. But I'll tell you, they really, they really, you know, sharpen the mind and gladden the heart. Well, really, the thing about it is, I read one article which is called "The Problem with Positive Thinking," which I love the title, right? Because I'm a little dark on the cynical side. Really? Right? Yeah, I'm always poo-pooing new age shit. Um, yeah. And then this other article is called The Thought That Counts. Mental attitudes might reverse the ravages of old age. Positive thinking is great. This woman experimented with it. So we're, uh, let's go through this, all right? I mean, uh, did you have some parts of this, Dave, that you really... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually think we should start with the problem with positive thinking because it's kind of... Yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. And then we can go to what looks like it's opposite. But when we really get into this, you'll see that they're both parts of the same whole, and they're all about balance. But um, the, the article, uh, Problem with Positive, is in the New York Times, and it's by Gabrielle Ertingen, who's a professor of psychology at NYU and at the University of Hamburg, and has written books and is a very reputable scientist and physician, I guess. And basically what's being said is that, you know, we're all told think positively and everything will work out. And if you're ill, you'll think positive. And there's obviously a great deal of truth to that. But what, what's being said in this piece is that there's aspects of it too which can be kind of dangerous and have the opposite effect on those that are using positive thinking to combat negativity, ill health, depression, and so forth. The person's not saying that positive thinking is wrong. He's just saying there's a way of using 
this paradigm of positive thinking, which can really help, and there's a way of making it wrong. And basically, he says, um, is it a he or a she? It's hard to say from that name. Anyway, um, it doesn't matter. Fantasizing about happy outcomes, about smoothly attaining your wishes, in certain cases, does not help. Indeed, it hinders people from realizing the dreams, their dreams. It can also drain you of the energy you need to take action in pursuit of your goals. Meaning that it creates a kind of wish fulfillment scenario, which is not the same as creative positive thinking. That I think the, the, uh, the concept here is that to just simply say, okay, I'll think positive thoughts and everything will go right, sometimes puts us into a state of evasion and denial of some of the real problems that we have to attack. We have to sort of get into solving by, you know, confronting those obstacles in a realistic manner with a positive attitude. But just to say that I'm all right, you're all right, I'm okay, I'm great, it's fantastic, it's wonderful, and meanwhile you're suffering tremendously will not necessarily help. It might push you into a place where your problems are simply not being solved. And I see a lot of sense here, and I've, I've taken a lot of notes, but I'd like to hear what you have to say, too, immediately. I say that when I saw the title of this thing, The Problem with Positive Thinking, I it just, I yeah, I was like, yeah, it's the bullshit, positive thinking. You get these, again, with the new age, you know, people going out there and, um, you know, we're going to realize our wants and desires by the power of our positive affirmations, uh, you know, and obviously with health and all that. I guess I have some dark spot in my psyche around that. So I have, I just have such an immediate neg, you know, so I immediately go, yeah, right on problem with positive, you know, and then I think back and this is something you can, you know, we were in the same spot at the same time. And I think about Hilda Charlton uh, because she did at right all through and at the end of her uh, gatherings at St. Mark's Church, she did affirmations big time, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I I remember even back then, and and you know, and really, what you start to talk about with uh, the problem with positive thinking. Uh, and I think this guy really brings it out, is that there's, you you really can come from a completely different place. Uh, that there's this isn't black or white. There's a gray area where a natural optimism and positivity, coupled, which is what they say here in the end, yes, you know, coupled with um, um, realism. You know, here's how it works. Think of a wish. For a few minutes, imagine the wish coming true, letting your mind wander and drift where it will. Then shift gears. Spend a few more minutes imagining the obstacles that stand in the way of realizing your wish. <laughs> this is, uh, they, they give you both sides of it. And apparently, this simple process, which is called mental contrasting, has produced powerful results. And uh, so, you know, they did some, anyhow, what I'm trying to get at with, with Hilda, I remember being completely um, looking askance at that. That part of the program I couldn't um, get down with in those days. Um, and I remember it quite well. And, I, and I'm thinking further along from that time to now. 
and the certain makeup that I'm witnessing in my personality of there's a uh, you know a certain cynical dark like you know Larry Davidish kind of take on things right <laughs> and uh, and I've start I'm just encountering that so when I read this article I was like you know gee whiz I'm really caught up in this judgment big time I'm identifying with it you know because I have uh, you know put down this positive thinking thing forever so I, I was just I don't know what happened to you at, at Hilda's during that well you know I, I wasn't a big one in affirmations and haven't been since and the, and it's a great struggle for me when someone says to me on the phone or, or right next to me oh come on do some affirmations will be fine oh, it won't mm-hmm. and and I think we're kind of in a way, it's justified by this article, which is the mental contrasting thing you mentioned is really a question of balance. He calls it a balanced and moderate approach. In other words, it's good to have positive thinking. It's good to laugh uh, and joke and be happy and be positive. But it's it's bad if it just if it sort of puts a, a, a cover over things that are just clearly an obstacle and will remain one, yeah. whether you're positive thinking or not. So basically, he's saying, although I think it's a she. Okay, um, let's say she, because it's Gabrielle. Like Gabrielle, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I prefer it if it were a she, because I trust women this more, yeah. more. But the truth of the matter is that she or he, but probably she, is saying you can't just blanket make a statement like that, as many New Age teachers do. And people go to these sessions and workshops, and it's great and everything. But you can't just do it like that because life is not that simple. I mean, if if it were, everybody would learn this quickly and it, the world would just be brimming and there'd be no ISIS and no unequal pay for women and all of that. It would just all solve. But the fact of the matter is positive thinking has to be coupled, as he says, she says, with a real clear perception of what you're positively thinking about and then be positive about the obstacles you're still going to have to overcome and have a struggle with. That the struggle will not go away because you're positive. It'll just give you momentum to attack the problem. Mm. Now, people with various forms of illness and cancer could listen to this and go, well, wait a minute. I can't overcome cancer without chemo or radiation or whatever. But everybody says that if you add stress to that, your chances of survival are minimized. And that if you add positive thinking with realism, mm. you, that's the that's the balance you're looking for. Yeah. And that's why I think this article is extremely valuable. Yeah, I like what he says at the end. Positive thinking is pleasurable, but that doesn't mean it's good for us. Right. Like said, so much in life, attaining goals requires a balanced and moderate approach, neither dwelling on the downsides nor a forced jumping for joy. Forced jumping for joy. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's, you know, Buddha middle path, isn't it? Yeah, and if, if you're listening, Iron Mountain, one of our, our friends who writes to us, uh, your comments, which are always extremely articulate and interesting, mm-hmm. are frequently about this dichotomy, which is, oh, yeah, I hear you guys talking about this, and I love the podcast, and you're great, but I can't do it. It just goes against my grain. I mean, there's do problems. And I, so I think that Iron Mountain, maybe this is, what you're moving towards, which is a more pragmatic attitude towards mental projection. There's no question about it. Our, our mental state uh, affects what is intricately entwined with it, which is our body and health. Mind-body beliefs have been, and, and philosophies have been around for a long time, and they work. But this, this particular article puts it in perspective as saying the work has still got to be done. The affirmation alone mm-hmm. is cool. 
but to be affirming and then avoiding or denying the existence of the of the problem could end up as being counterproductive. So we then moved on from this article and a couple of days later I started reading another article and I just you know and that article is the thought that counts and it's uh, uh, this uh, these scientists doing tests and finding out incredible stuff that relates with this other article okay so basically the the first example that they gave uh, and this is uh, people uh, eight people in their 70s, okay? They got eight alter cuckers, and they took them down somewhere. Uh, they took them, they, they went, and they passed through the door and entered a time warp. Perry Cromo crooned on a vintage radio. Ed Sullivan welcomed guests on a black-and-white TV. Is this insane or what? This is yes. incredible. Uh, everything inside, including the books on the shelves and the magazines lying around, were designed to conjure 1959. This was to be the men's home for five days as they participated in a radical experiment. So the subjects were in good health, but aging had left their mark. This is before this 75 was a new 55, by the way. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so... Before arriving, the men were, you know, assessed on dexterity, grip strength, flexibility, hearing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so they all had some impairments, obviously just due to age. So in the end, after they, uh, you know, they went through their daily routines, they started to get energized. And they were feeling like way better than when they had walked in that door. Just because all of this uh, stimuli, it stimulated like who they were in 1959. Is this incredible? Yes. And um, it worked. It worked. And she, she, this is a, done by this amazing psychologist, Ellen Langer at Harvard, who's been a leader in this, in this what was considered to be nonsense by more conventional psychologists. And um, actually, we should mention the articles by... Bruce Grierson, and um, it was from the New York Times, October 22nd, 2014. Um, and, and Bruce does a great job of, of summarizing her life, Ellen Langer. What a fascinating woman. Um, and one of the next thing she says was that a lot of what people think is brain deteriorate. You know, how many times have you heard your grandfather or an old person or me say, Oh, I lost. I don't remember things like that anymore, and I'm just getting old. And, and uh, but she said, no, it's indifference was being mistaken for brain deterioration. In other words, they just you know, just to digress for a minute, somebody said to me, the worst thing about being old is you become invisible. You know, mm. you walk down the street and nobody gives a shit, and 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 particularly the young women do not look at you, and. Uh, that invisibility can turn to, uh, you know, various forms of, of self-deprecation, which then results in indifference. And, it, well, what the hell does it matter? Nobody cares about me. I'm just an old coot. And that then uh, precipitates the trajectory of deterioration, or at least the thing that you perceive about yourself is that you're getting old and useless. And she's saying that is just nonsense, that we actually make ourselves old by believing in these paradigms that are created by society. Culture. You know, 
And so when you see someone like Leonard Cohen at 80 performing and doing great music, it's an exception, right? Well, that's Tony Bennett. He's like Tony Bennett, right? Exactly. He's and almost ninety. Who was still incredibly sharp at the age of eighty-four. So her her way of talking about this is incredibly important, I think, for for all of us because she's saying that we're just fooling ourselves into 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 dilapidation. And that, yes, we get older, we have to be obvious. And obviously, we're not, you know, we, we don't look like we did 30, 40 years ago. But the actual business of, of mental dexterity, emotional balance, and self-worth uh, can, be, can be completely turned around by these weird manipulations that she's studied. Mm. So they yeah. didn't have any mirrors, they had no modern-day clothing, no photos except portraits of their much younger selves. At the end of their stay the men were tested again on several measures. They outperformed a control group that came earlier to the monastery but didn't imagine themselves back into the skin of their younger selves, though they were encouraged to reminisce. They were suppler, showed greater manual dexterity, sat taller, just as uh, the Langer had guessed, perhaps most improbable. Their sight improved... Independent judges said they looked younger. The experimental subjects, uh, Langer told me, had put their mind in an earlier time, and, there were, and the body went along for the ride. The results were almost too good. They beggared belief. It sounded like Lourdes. I mean, this is a real scientist, okay, folks? This isn't someone, you know, this isn't like the National Enquirer or anything. So this, so what else is there? The fact that, um, look at these two articles. They're exactly, in some way, they're opposite. In another way, they're completely conversant. But the fact that this woman is actually, I don't know if you would call that positive thinking. I don't know. You know, that's changing a whole headspace environment all around, right? So it's yeah. a little bit different. Uh, it's reprogramming, really. Yeah, you know, it's saying you, what you sort of automatically think is going on can be changed and ameliorated by a different kind of atmosphere—the atmosphere that you create for yourself. Now she does it in a very mechanistic way, which is, you know, for us it would be okay. We're going to put, you know, Bob Dylan's "Bringing It On Home" and the Beatles' "White Album" and Neil Young's "Harvest," and then we're going to have pictures of wood stuck on the wall, and that would be our version. Yeah, and it seems kind of really silly, but she's let's not... have a party like that. We should do a party like that, Dave. <laughs> play, we'll get a DJ to play that music. We'll have strobe lights, uh, black lights, and yeah. uh, you know, all, it'll be fun. Yes, no one will come except me and you, unfortunately. And by the way, Dave's thing about. <laughs> People, people getting invisible. When I walk with him on the streets, women are always like looking over at him. So it's just not true. Well, it's it's. I emanate a certain uh, lost Britishness, and sometimes when I have a drink, which is very rare, start talking like this, love. How you doing, darling? <laughs> Want to come over here and have a little drink with me? You know, they just go. I have a phone. I know how to call the police. Yeah. But um. <laughs> Uh, you know, I went to a, a concert this weekend, which was uh, a bunch of, of um, really talented New York session musicians who got together and decided to play 32 early Rolling Stones songs in many styles, country, rhythm and blues and so forth, depending on the musician. And there were about 150 of us there, and we were all, you know, beyond middle age. And, and it was fantastic because 
it proved the point. We were all singing and dancing. There wasn't any drinking or drugging around. It was just the music being played by excellent musicians. But listening to that music, you know, Factory Girl and, and Backstreet Girl and Mother's Little Helper and all of those, it just raised the mood in the place to where there was a real sense of sweetness and love between all the people there. And it was the least drunken, least loutish thing and lovely and very loud and, and boisterous. And it was sort of like that because we were listening to the music of our youth played by new musicians and it felt good. And when everybody left, it, it, I mean, it wasn't a care time. We weren't being taken to the depths of, of spiritual truth in our heart, but we were being uplifted by the music, which reminded us of a, of a time which was innocent and beautiful. Mm. But it wasn't nostalgia, Raga. It really wasn't nostalgia. It was existentially pleasant and fabulous. Mm. And later on the street when we were all standing around, and most of us knew each other from somewhere or other, um, you know, there was a great deal of communication and sweetness between people. And these are not, you know, these were not new age yogi people. These were people dressed in leather jackets and, and bikers and, and sort of post hippies and whatever. And it was just a lovely time. And when I got home, I felt very nice. Uh, I just felt good. And, and, and in, the post, in the posting on Facebook and the various things that have gone on since in the last three days, there's just been tremendous reconnection with people that one hadn't seen and a lot of love and ah, real nice stuff going between people. And it was about the music of our youth. So there's more stuff here. I mean, I've got... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, well, um, we don't want to make this too simplistic. So... She mentioned, he mentions, um, and through her, Langer, uh, mindfulness meditation, and rather, oh, yeah. says, and this non-judgmental awareness of the thoughts and feelings drifting through your mind that is everywhere today, meaning that it's kind of a, a fad, you know, but it is not a fad, and, and I don't think she's suggesting that, but she's saying that mindfulness is connected with this, and that it's really being mindful of the whole world, not just your exact moment and maybe all the troubles you've seen and all all of that it's it's a placebo really uh just to say here it is you are young at heart and you now it conjures up pictures of people at old people's home you know doing have an agila anyway but the fact of the matter, <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is yeah. that she's she's a as ragu said she's a serious scientist and you know um she says at one point People get weirded out by societal things that are put on them that depress them. And Ramdas has talked extensively about this, and specifically about this. Men who were bald when they joined the study were more likely to develop prostate cancer than men who kept their hair. Now, this is sad to say that, but it's kind of understandable that certain things uh, will stimulate in men and women depression because of what they see people perceiving them as. So uh, many women I know dye their hair. I love Emmy Lou Harris. If mm -hmm. I met her, I just would be, I couldn't talk. I'm so attracted. She's so beautiful with that white gray hair. I have not yet met a woman in my acquaintance who will let, let that happen. Hmm. They want blonde hair, they want dark hair, whatever. And a lot of that is okay. There's nothing wrong with dyeing your hair. Indigenous groups have done that for thousands of years. But it's just that thing of, getting depressed because you're no longer feeling young. And Langer is saying there are certain triggers which can not bring us back to youth, 
because that's impossible. But it can stop the false deterioration caused by the imposition of societal nonsense. You know what it's like? It's like a 15-year-old uh, young woman or girl who's overweight, and every magazine she sees on every stand in every place has got these, you know, wafer-thin supermodels. And a lot of young women are very depressed about this, that they just aren't that. And therefore, they feel like they're not going to find a boyfriend and ultimately a husband, if you like, or they're not even going to get a good job. Because it was proven on television recently that uh, beautiful, so-called beautiful people get jobs quicker than people who are, are less obviously uh, beautiful. And this is sad and terrible, but it does happen. And Langer has done enough work to show that um, we can reverse this. Well, I like what it's called. She gives it a, a name because we've been saying, okay, what, what is this? Mindset manipulation, okay, which is what can counteract. So this is the uh, the anecdote, antidote for mindset, man, no, mindset manipulation counteracts presumed psychological limits. That's it. Okay, so the method is mindset manipulation. So then you start to think, okay, how, she, she gives a little hint, which I think is really good, which is from what you were just pointing to, but um, he goes on from there talking about mindfulness, meditation, and practice. And, and what she's doing is different than that, has a different, it includes a witness. Uh, it's a very unusual thing, and I think it's something we, we can all try. Um, it's a non um, what, 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 her emphasis, her, so mindfulness meditation is non-judgmental awareness of the thoughts and, f and feelings drifting through your mind, right? That's a simple, you know, I mean, it's not it, as complex as, as it should be, but, but her emphasis is on noticing moment-to-moment -moment changes around you. From the differences in the face of your spouse across the breakfast table to the variability of your asthma symptoms. When we are actively making new distinctions rather than relying on habitual categorizations, we are alive. I think that is a very profound statement. And when we are alive, we can improve. Indeed, well-being and enhanced performance were the goals from the beginning of Langer's career. So, uh, you know, as far as actually being able to put into action uh, what uh, what is being talked about here, aside from uh, walling you off into a uh, a time warp zone, I think that there there is another way to approach this with with this kind of awareness and this uh, the, this particular little meditation that she's suggesting. Yeah. Okay. This one really got me. I like this one a lot because I, I really identified a bit with this. Langer and one of her students, Elia Crum, conducted a study published in the journal Psychological Science. Again, this wasn't in People magazine. Psychological <laughs> Science. Involving 84 hotel chambermaids. The maids had mostly reported that they didn't get much exercise in a typical week. The researchers primed the, experiment, the experimental group to think differently about their work by informing them that cleaning rooms was fairly serious exercise, as much, if not more, than the Surgeon General recommends. Once their expectations were shifted, those maids lost weight relative to a control group and also improved on other measures like body mass index and hip-to-waist ratio. All other factors were held constant. The only difference was the change in mindset. 
And I can relate to this because I bought a little pedometer about a couple of years ago. And, you know, they say you've got to walk 10,000 steps every day if you want. I mean, that's a little extreme. It's over five miles. But what one found, and it worked on me, maybe because I'm simple, but it worked on me that I found that I walked a mile before I left the house every day. I, I walked approximately 2,400 steps in my apartment. And it's not a big apartment. So I had a mile covered before I actually went for a walk. And it gave me an impetus to think, oh, well, I've already done a mile. I'll do another three miles. And what that did for me was it made me realize that just making the bed or moving things around or doing things in my apartment was also exercise. These hotel chambermaids, who are usually not treated that great by either the hotel or the people living in the hotel, they were saying, oh, I don't have time to exercise. I'm tired. I don't. And what this woman Langer did with her student was say, no, no, you are doing a ton of exercise by making the bed, by moving the food out to the corridor by walking from the bathroom to this by cleaning the bathroom it's a lot of exercise as soon as they heard that their condition and their self-awareness or self-perception improved radically and again this is psychological science not some 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 you know yellow journalism so it is a lot of this is to do with how you feel about yourself and how that can both ameliorate or deteriorate what goes on. I happen to live, Raghu, in a professionally old age area where there are, God knows you how live many. You live in an old age home? I, I don't, know but I live next to many of them. Riverdale <laughs> is well known for having many, many people in their you know, 90s. And um, it's shocking to me sometimes to meet people who are clearly you know, enjoying this decrepit existence. Now, I don't want to, you know, I'm not putting out any any antagonism towards them but there is in I, I i just had a phone call with my friend in marrakesh in morocco a, a couple of hours ago who was telling me that in morocco families live together grandparents are treated just like the rest of the family the kids relate to the grandparents as if they're actually human beings and therefore the older people are feel integrated into this larger nuclear family which is part of 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 moroccan culture and um, it is not a part of our culture on the whole. So the old people get left on the, on, on the side of the road, as it were. And as soon as you can get them into a decent nursing home, that happens. And sometimes it's necessary, of course. But people get older quickly. There's a lot of ways to look at this. Because Ram Dass has said on many occasions he doesn't like the AARP nonsense about let's go skiing and let's do skydiving. I'm only 94. And Ram Dass said, well, I don't know about that. Shouldn't we learn to live with who we are at 80 or 70 or whatever, and, and, and learn uh, a more inner way, which is his great teaching for the past 15 or 20 years. Because Randas was definitely an athlete and, you know, piloted a plane and played golf and had a sports car. And, On acid. and then that ended with his stroke, and he went inside, and as he said in our recent film, the riches, the riches inside. Oh, my goodness, I would never have gone there but for this this severe and, and, and drastic draconian stroke he had so there's two sides to this one is to be loving of your exact place in life but then there's the other one which says don't just give up just because your kids live three thousand miles away and your grandkids don't know your name well then do it yourself and and get into programming yourself in not the way that society is teaching because if you watch tv raga i mean i watch a lot of tv and most TV now is for old people because the young people are smart enough to go on the, on the, on the internet 
and choose their programming when they wanted. But older people sit and watch TV and at least yeah, 50, maybe seventy nice. percent of the ads on television are from far big foreign. Yeah, that's true. But the the, the kids are watching uh, Game of Thrones. Just you know, that crosses all uh, generations. Absolutely. No, no, I, I, yeah, I agree. But I'm just saying that you know, if you watch Fox TV, if anyone watch that, you'll see that most of the ads are either for you got to get gold and silver. You know, <laughs> it's, that's it's about aggregating gold coins. And the other half is about you know arthritis, and this will cure your arthritis. And at the end, he says. Mind you, it may cause trouble or death. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and these people are watching this and, and it's infiltrating their consciousness and it's doing the exact opposite of what Miss Langer is talking about, which is giving people the chance to be vital at all ages. Right? Yeah, but there needs to be some kind of methodology. And, and that's why I like what she said about using mindfulness meditation in the, in the way that she recommended it, which is looking at, at the, those obstacles that come up uh, in, in terms of thought form and noting them, which is, uh, you know, a different process and relates more with, I guess, finding out a little bit more about who you are. Yes. You, know, you can start to see, oh, wait, you know, it's like this thing with the, we talked about earlier, uh, being, you know, the, I was so happy to see this article downing positive thinking, you can't imagine. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, uh, now I do have this dark little spot that I've carried around for since I grew up in Montreal, and everyone sympathizes with me. By the way, when when I say I grew up in Montreal, they oh oh no problem. You know, you were in that horrific cold. And but it's ice. such a beautiful city for anyone living in Montreal. Listening to this, it's one of my favorite cities outside Europe. Because some European cities just charm the hell out of you immediately. American cities do exactly the opposite to me, except with some notable exceptions. But Montreal, when I was walking around it, I actually was visiting Roger's family. Um, I just loved it. Now, it wasn't in the dead of winter. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyhow, but it, obviously uh, the darkness of the winter must have, I must have absorbed it because I have walked around with this level of cynicism. Now, you know, many of us listening here are, probably could uh, vouch the same. And uh, on the opposite side, uh, you know, the la-la, positive thinking thing, there has to be, that's why it turns out that we really are bringing these two articles together. There's a substantial way to deal with a positive energy. Okay, and, and obviously it's to talk about not dismissing obstacles. Right. And so you have then a blend, but not walking around, you know, and I've done this myself. You know, I'm always, you think of a situation, you think of the worst fucking thing that could happen with it. And, you know, it's completely unbalanced. So this, this gave me, um, this was a real teaching going through these articles, I've got to tell you. Incidentally, you know, we mentioned Ramdas, which we always do as a rule. Uh, the, 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 the article about um, the manipulation of, of conditions to change your psyche says that Harvard has been filled up uh -huh. with what you call mavericks with non-traditional projects. And that's why they break through on some of this stuff. He then mentions B.F. Skinner's utopian novels, Herb Kalman's encounter between Arab and Israeli activists, not to mention Timothy Leary, and Richard Alpert, who would become Rondas. Mm. But in fact, Harvard has been a place where serious scientists and psychologists 
I've come up with revolutionary ways of looking at the psyche, which are very helpful to us. But I like what you're saying, Roger, that um, between these two pieces, there is a happy medium, which, oh, I hate that expression, stop, a happy medium, back to happy, happy. But it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a blending, and it's a hybrid of being positive and using affirmations and whatever you can use, whatever tools, but on the same, at the same time, being aware of the fact that uh, evasion and denial are a disease amongst most of us, you know, exactly. mental disease. And we can't just get rid of them by just affirmations. We have to look at what we have to confront and then be positive about approaching what we have to confront, but not ignoring the, um, the ups and downs and, uh, of life, right? I mean... Yes, yeah. indeed, sir. Incidentally, I don't think that your, quote, darkness is entire. I mean, your father... That's because you're dark, too, you know? You yeah, are cynical I, shit. Uh, true, but your parents, who I knew quite well, were both uh, brilliant and, and, and analytic and certainly spiritually conscious, but both of them uh, had a way of looking at the world which was, which was uh, you know, sometimes uh, difficult for us to absorb because it was so honest. And the times I had with your amazing mother were times of, of hey, get real, babe, to me. That's yeah. what she was like to yeah. me. And I know she liked me, but she would sometimes say to me, hey, come on. That's yeah. just LSD talk. What about the real world here? And yes, I was... think that that is a good, I think that was a good um, a crucible for you because it gave you both sides of this. Of that is true. Very North true. Yeah, she was a forensic psychiatrist. And we read a little something from her book the last uh, few times ago, a uh, podcast. It's, uh, I really love having my mother kind of join me on these things, Dave, so I'm happy you brought her up. Uh, but she, was, she wouldn't let anybody fool themselves for one second in her practice. And so many of my friends used to go talk to her about their problems, and there wasn't any give on you know, allowing people to feel sorry for themselves or fooling themselves and so on. And I guess that's really what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Related to the balance of being a positive person and positive thinking. And, yeah. uh, and, and this other article just proves it all out. They actually experimented and proved that people can act actually through change the mind environment and, uh, and, and become healthier and become happier and, this is like what? What are the sh medical show? We're now doing a medical show, uh, <laughs> introducing the microbiome diet to get rid of gut problems and inflammation. And uh, oh, please do go to Amazon, will you though, and buy that book? Yeah. Okay. I uh, wanted to mention one thing that, that the the author of the the positive article says it talks about the nocebo effect. The nocebo effect is the flip side of the more positive placebo effect. And the nocebo effect is when people say things like, oh, come on, you're, you're, you're getting old, man. You can't just, what are you doing running down the street like that? You have a heart attack. Or, you know, there used to be a song that Stanley Holloway sang in England, the old vaudeville stars, and, you know. And when I was a child, I remember a song that he did called, oh, my world, you do look queer. <laughs> oh my dear, you do look ill. Well, oh, you're so tired. Are you all right? You're tired. When people do that to me, I have to restrain myself from fisticuffs. Hey, can you find that song? I want, I want not now. Next podcast. Can we? What's his name? 
My words are dual queries, I think. that and, With, and they, they weren't talking about sexuality. They were talking about queer in England means yeah. something wrong here. You're queered out. You're, yeah. <laughs> you need something bad or are you just... Wait, who's the singer? Stanley Holloway. Stanley. Can you find Stanley shit? And I'll next time that. we got to... Play yeah. because we need. I, I like having more music in our podcast. Yeah. You know? uh, by the way, everybody uh, out there, David uh, and I work on these cultivating movies for for the Ramdas part of stuff that we we're involved with, and David uh, spent intense intense months putting the last one together called Cultivating Grace and Transforming Suffering. And uh, David, do you know that there was a feature in the Huffington Post? Uh, from Ramdas, a blog uh, around suffering, and in that, Dave, they linked beautifully to the film on Ramdas.org/slash/grace, and people mm. can just stream it. No, oh, no. yeah, it doesn't cost anything. Um, it's just an offering. Of course, we depend that just like us mine rollers here, uh, the people over at Ramdas.org, different hat for me. They depend on. Uh, we depend on donations to be able to make these films and uh, and so on and so forth but uh, the, it's just getting a lot of acclaim i'm getting such great feedback so really? uh, it's another share with everybody out there aside from all the other bullshit um this this uh, the article is called uh, why suffer something why suffering something like that just go to huffington post look up you know just put ramdas in there and take a look at the the film david put heart and soul into it big time yeah, and i mean so that and incidentally, we got to uh, thank uh, the great Nathan Wilburn, who works with us on various projects, but wrote the music for this. He scored the music. Oh, that's right. and it is just It is just so refined and sensitive and perfect for the film that it was a gift. My God, what a gift. So, uh, you know, shout out to Nathan on that one. All right. Okay. Uh, I think that's all the time that our sponsors are allowing today. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way... Don't forget to comment and tell us, you know, give us some feedback on this, on some of the struggles. That's something we're, because we are putting, to, we're going to put something together that, you know, like little pieces, like this particular article has this little twist on mindfulness meditation. Well, we're going to, we're going to, Dave and I are going to investigate that and put it into a, a, a place where one could listen to it and be able to actually execute that particular witnessing meditation and 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 we want to know what other issues are are going on out there in everybody's uh, lives so that we can f resource and put together you know a wonderful uh, workshop kind of a deal so yeah, Roger is coming up with a, a kit which we'll have ready in, in a, a fairly short time but it takes a while to put it together and we need feedback because in that kit we want to include stuff that actually you know can help can um can sort of push you into a, maybe a better mood or maybe even more than that. And we don't want to just do the kit, assuming we know exactly what people need. We'd like some feedback as yeah. to what tools, what things, what music, what sounds, what articles, what things actually, you know, uh, can change your mood and, 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 and make you more um, or allow you to be more uh, of, your, of yourself, your good self. Good. So let us know because we, we're in the process of Raghu more than I is putting this together. Well, we're all taking a shot at it and we're going to make it good and it'll be uh, it'll be available on mindpod network yeah so go to mindpodnetwork.com everybody and sign up because we we want to have a lot more interactivity and really build this as a community 
So sign up, and you know we're also, as I said, there's so there now. There's five different podcasters, and we're going to start. They're going to start. We collectively are going to start offering out different things by you know through email and and so on and so forth. So uh, please not and Facebook, go like on Facebook, Twitter, all of that. Dave, yep. it's another day and another dollar or Apple. I don't know, but. <laughs> Nice to see you again. You too. And uh, until next week. Um... Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Talk later.